you damn right. Hope everybody is having a good Monday. It's Championship Monday for college basketball on the men's side. We've got a women's champion we will talk about. Hope you're enjoying your April so far. Hopefully you weren't on the business end of too many crazy April Fool's jokes. By the way, I finally heard about one I actually endorse. We'll get to that, as hard as that is to believe. Uh, We will also get to some NBA. We will get to some craziness over the weekend involving Vince McMahon, whatever that mustache was all about, and the latest with the WWE joining up with another with a sports titan of sorts. We'll get into all that. Normal visit with Joe Cook coming up next hour, talking Longhorn stuff. Longhorn baseball loses the series to Oklahoma State over the weekend, and we'll get to all of it. Chad Zay on this Monday. I'm Chad Hastings, joined as always by Isaiah Collier. He's ready for that title game tonight. What's up, Zay? What up, Chad? Happy Monday, everybody. First show in April. It was popping this weekend in the ATX, CMT Awards, Texas Relays. A little two-step with your twerking. Best of both worlds. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> there was a lot going on. That's right. Texas Relay Weekends and then finish off with the CMT Awards over Yo, at the Yo, man. I heard Megan the Stallion was in town. Yep. They said she was at the CMT Awards. I'm sure she was at both. Megan the Stallion I saw a little bit, a little clip of it. What did Megan do? Oh, Megan presented an award to Shania Twain. Mm. And Shania Twain got up there and hugged Megan the Stallion. And Megan said Shania is her new best friend. They just met and she loves her. I mean, I know that booty country, but what country song has Meg the Stallion made? uh, I haven't heard that one. No, she has not. But I guess she was just there, I don't know, supporting the female music community. Okay, I'm with it. I think that's kind of what they were doing because they were giving her an award for being, you know, a trailblazer in a lot of different ways in terms of causes, in terms of, you know, but also the, you know, uh, women in the media, women in music, women in country, all that kind of stuff. So Megan was there to to support. She had the fingernails going and everything. Okay, I'm with it. She was rolling. You know she's going to look good. She didn't look quite as good as she did on that mound in Houston, but I don't know if she's going to top that one for a while. That's going to be tough to top. (laughs) That's going to be difficult. That's like saying, you know, J-Lo hasn't looked as good as she did that night in the green dress at the award show. Yeah, that's tough to top. It's a tough one. Diddy, diddy, diddy. Tough one to deal with. Mm. So uh, we will definitely get into a lot that happened over the weekend. Uh, First off, let me just give credit. Cause if you've ever if you listen to me for more than seven seconds over the years, you know I can't stand April Fool's Day. I finally encountered one. It had nothing to do with kids, because normally I say leave that to the kids like Halloween. It was an adult thing, but it actually was funny to me. Look at you growing. How about that? And it was Saturday Night Live. Okay. For weekend update, Michael Che told secretly told the crowd not to laugh when Colin Jost delivered his jokes. And there was this weird subdued sound, and I was—I even noticed it. I'm like, wait, is there anybody in that crowd? This isn't COVID. What's going on? Uh-huh. And finally, in the middle of it, he tells him, and Colin lost it for about the next two, three, five <laughs> minutes. He couldn't contain. He couldn't compose. It was so funny. That's so pretty good. That was good. That was good. That's an adult thing, but it's also, hey, they're in the comedy realm. They're messing with each other. I can go with that one. How was um, my girl from Abbott Elementary? How was she? Uh, did she run the show this week? I think she did. I will be honest. All I've seen is Weekend Update. Ah, okay. My wife wanted me to see that, so I have not seen the full show. Okay. But uh, I heard she did well. I mean, she's funny as hell. So She is funny. and she, she, That's right up her alley. Yeah, yeah. She's really good. I'm sure she did fine. I did not see the, the full run of that show since I was dealing with, uh, with all the sports this weekend. And there was a lot of it. Uh, we'll get into what's, uh, what's coming for tonight. And uh, we did have history at the Final Four. Two Texas cities hosted and got we get some entertaining basketball this weekend. So good for Houston, good for Dallas. We'll start in H-Town, Zay, where we got some serious history. The name is Lamont Butler. Learn it, remember it, put it in your history, history book, especially if they win tonight. But San Diego State gets by FAU on the first ever technical Win or lose buzzer beater in the history of the Final Four or championship game. All those others you'll think about, either there was time on the clock or the game was tied when the ball was was shot. This is the one time we've had where it's a true winner-take-all moment, and Lamont Butler nailed it 
almost stepped out of bounds. He was right there. It was like a centimeter. But he hit, but there was space. At least the shot I saw, I could see a little little sliver of whatever that color was on the floor, and he nailed the shot. So good for him. What'd you think of uh, what'd you think of that ball game? Terrific ball game. I mean, FAU being up 14, they had it. And Brian Dutcher, shout out to him because if Lamont Butler misses that shot, we come in here today thinking what could have been. Should he have called a timeout or not? And I thought that was a good no call. Like, you know, that's one of the toughest decisions in coaching for a head basketball coach. If you have a timeout, once you get that board, or do you want to call it to gather your team together and dial up that right play? But also the negative with that is getting the defense set. And the defense gets to call a timeout. The defense maybe gets to see what you're going to do on that out-of-bounds play, see what kind of you know play you're going to run, what little formation you're in. And then a lot of coaches call the timeout to counter that. So instead of risking all that, just put it in your players' hands, like Coach Dutcher said. Hey, the players win in March, even mm-hmm. though it's April, Coach. I feel you. I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. I get it. You in the moment. I get it. Uh-huh. And Lamont Butler coming so close to out of bounds, like what a shot. Like that's a picture-perfect pull-up. And right when he went towards the baseline and he put the ball between his legs, he hit a slight hesitation. It was very subtle, hmm. just just a little bit to get the defender little like little rattled. Because hmm. you know as a defender there's not much time. You're going to get a good contest anyway. You know, he doesn't have much time. You're going to get a good, uh, get a good contest. But Butler, a little hesitation right off that between the legs, and then he went one more dribble into that pull-up, knocked down, and that's ball game. So that's a big-time shot. And going into tonight for the championship, is that going to haunt them? Because that's a lot of emotion for a college team. All the questions that they were answering on Sunday were about that shot. It wasn't really about getting ready for UConn. Yeah, some was, but you're talking about the previous night more than you're talking about the upcoming game. Mm-hmm. And you're going up against a team that don't give a damn who's in front of them. The way they've looked these last five games, like they look like that team that we saw at the beginning of the season that was number one. It's crazy that they went six of eight losing streak uh, at one point of the season. It's nuts to think this UConn team could ever lose six yeah. games and like the last eight they played. And it wasn't really injuries, was it? Not really. They just kind of went into a funk yeah. at some point in the season. But if you were paying attention, the Jay Billises of the world and the people that really follow the sport, they were all saying, well, you know, any given night, if UConn plays, with the, plays well, they can win the game. Uh, and then also, if you, you, may, you may have seen the stat, last five teams that have won games by this much in the tournament, four of the five win it all. Yeah. I mean, this is just, it's setting up, we set it going into the weekend, can anybody beat UConn, and now it's still the same question. Zay, they didn't have one of their best players because of illness, and they only won by 13. Uh, He was there, he played, He, he just was sick. Oh, that's true. Jordan sorry. Hawkins. Sorry. Was sick going, yeah, was sick going into the game. He looked that sick to me, the way he was knocking down those threes, especially yeah. in the second half. But, yeah, they're just so deep. They're so talented. And, you know, there's a myth out there where people are like, you need a great point guard to win a national championship. That's not true if you have a lot of guys that can do multiple things very well like they do. Newton and Jackson, mm-hmm. both of those guys, Newton ain't no elite point guard, but he's good enough. He's around 6'5", 6'6", out of El Paso. He had about eight assists against Miami. He's good enough ball handler. And when he's not, you know, when he has a really good defender on him, they just put the ball in Andre Jackson's hands at 6'6". So they don't necessarily have a point guard, which makes them so scary because they're so big overall, 6'5", and Newton, 6'6", and Jackson, 6'5", 6'6", and Hawkins. So their guards, you know, when they played against Miami for Texas, when you got Serge Barry Rice, Marcus Carr, and Tyrese Hunter, all those guys, no one's above 6'5". So you're playing a little tighter on Miami where UConn, they didn't have to play as tight because they could use their length to contest shots right. and make things difficult. So... When Isaiah Wan, you know, every time he does one of those spin moves and tries to get to the lane and make those moves, he has a 6'6 guy contesting that. Plus, he has to deal with that 7'2 dude off the bench and Sonogo. And mm-hmm. those guys clog up a lot. So the game 
was already over. Once Sonogo hit those two threes, bang, bang, I was like, oh, it's ball game. That's what a lot of people said. It's it was like, ball oh, game. Lord. You if... got this big son of a B hitting jumpers <laughs> outside. That's what you want. Omir's like, take that. He basically did a Caitlin Clark against South Carolina. was like, I'll let you have that, please. Yeah. Brush him off, please. Oh, my goodness. I'll let you have that. He knocked them down. That's like, well, now we got we to gotta respect it. And we know what he wants to really do, dominate you down low, which he did, yeah. 21 and 10. He did. And they Nine do a great one. job of feeding the post. Mm-hmm. Newton and Jackson, like weird angles. They throw some weird passes. Like, we're just going to throw it in the open area. And Sonogo has such good footwork, and he's so you know so mobile. He's able to just go get the ball and put it up quick. And Miami being the smaller team, they have no answer for it. But going into tonight, you're playing to get some dogs. Like... San Diego State has four really good defensive bigs. Like that's gonna make life really tough. Mesa and or Mesa, excuse me, Johnson. No, I think you're La- right the first time. Mensa? I think it's Mensa. It's Mensa. Okay, right. Mensa, yeah. Ladee, Johnson. You know, a rope. Those brothers are physical. They're strong, and they had some huge blocks. The bigs were the reason they won the game at the end. Do they have oh. enough size for UConn? I I don't know if they have enough guard firepower okay. for UConn. Yeah. That's that's what I'm a little nervous at because Butler's tough. I love the way that Matt Bradley played. He was great. He the way that he got them going early on, and then I thought in the second half, just him getting to the line and those they just asserted themselves offensively on the boards, which they should have done that the whole game with FAU. Mm-hmm. It took them a long time for them to realize, yo, we're way bigger than these guys. All these guys, they're just guards around six four. They're quick, they're scrappy, they can shoot, but Golden and the other big man, uh, Rosing, what's my man's name? Uh, Boris Diaw looking brother. You uh, know what I'm talking about. Rosado. Rosado. Yeah, Rosado. Those guys, that's a lot for them because they don't play them at the same time. It's either one or the other for Dusty May. Mm -hmm. So you're always going to have two bigs in for San Diego State, no matter what. And you can interchange them, both of those, all four of those bigs. Nobody's going to play over 30 minutes. So they're going to be fresh going up against the no go. They could double, but the problem with doubling. Newton could shoot. Jackson, he doesn't want to shoot, but he can make plays. Uh, old man, Caravan, he could flat out shoot it. He had some huge threes. That shot that he hit going into halftime, that changed the game because you're tied at 19-19, UConn in Miami, and then UConn ends up ending the half 37-24, to 18-5 run, just like that. So that could happen very quickly. I think UConn just might be too much for San Diego State, but – so no go. He'll have his work cut out for him with those bigs uh, for San Diego State. Going into tonight, uh, it is a seven-point uh, advantage according to Vegas. It is UConn by seven going into the game tonight. Eight twenty on that tip on CBS, and uh, it was it was high-level stuff throughout the weekend in the FAU San Diego State game. Both teams shoot 44% from the floor. It was 41 and 50% from beyond the arc. Both teams were great from the line. So your eyes told you it was high quality. The stats told you it was high quality. UConn shot 49% as a team. It was high-level basketball. Miami was the one team that wasn't able to keep up probably at that that level. Uh, By the end of the game, it was clear that UConn was better. But entertaining stuff. I'm assuming, Zay, we're going to see good ratings come out. Of the men's final four, I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with Miami, Nigel Pack, him, he kind of hurt his ankle and messed his shoe up, and he didn't get no kicks until about five minutes later, five game minutes. That was huge. Yeah, that was a weird. And also weird to be in the big arena, and you got the dudes running the shoes back and forth. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Like Come on, a, bro. You got to know you got to bring some up. Other kicks. We had talked to – it's funny because when Rob Lazar – shout out to Rob Lazar, the equipment guy for the Longhorn basketball team. Remember when he was making the trip up, he talked to Craig on the show, talked about taking the trailer up, and at one point they had to switch trucks because the truck broke down on him and everything. But he told Craig, like, no, no, every player, we got the gamers, the game shoes, we got the backups for everybody, and then I think there's even another pair. So they're – and I'm thinking, wait, Miami doesn't have that? Miami doesn't have backup shoes. For, oh, Nigel for, Pack, all that money you got paid, bro, you can't bring an extra pair of kicks. Right. 200000 He's not some rando at the end of the bench. It's Pack. 
You don't have an extra pair of shoes for him? If I'm that booster for Miami, I'm losing my effing mind. Absolutely. I, I am I, losing my mind. I thought the same thing. If I'm if I'm that guy sitting in my suite, I'm grabbing stuff and throwing it out of the suite at that point. I'm so mad. Now, as a grown-ass man standpoint, Nigel Pack, if you're investing and not buying many kicks, you're a smart guy. But you're a basketball player. Right. No. You know you need kicks. Ever no. since we saw Zion Williamson blow out his shoe against North Carolina, we should all know but, you need extra kicks. But that's not on pack. That's on the staff. That's on the equipment guys. True. They got to know that and be ready to go. For Texas, it's not on the individual player to double check, hey, do we have extra shoe? No, that's what Texas that, – they got people to take care of that. You're right. Our man Rob Lazar takes care of that to make sure. That was a weird uh, moment. I don't think it's going to matter. He could have had nine pairs of shoes and they weren't beating UConn. Yeah. But still. So the men's final is set for tonight, UConn and San Diego State. This is also a Monday where we will be talking about the women's championship game for different reasons. One, LSU wins it with Kim Mulkey. Folks around here know that name. Kim puts herself up another notch in history. It's Gino with 11. It's Pat with eight. And now it's Kim with four. She is the third winningest women's basketball coach ever in terms of national titles. She's the first women's coach to win with two different teams. So there's that. And there were six million folks watching one of the, the semifinals. Let us know if you watched yesterday. It was on ABC. I'm guessing they're going to get a pretty good ratings, eh? I think it was a you know an entertaining game overall. But then there was the sideshow of this game. The soap opera, if you will, because basketball seems to provide that nowadays. And this texter, Zay, on the Specs text line, 337-3776, says, Zay, I'm interested in your take on the classless actions after the women's Final Four. <laughs> or maybe you as the authority can let us know that this is par for our current course. So what did you think of Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, the John Cena, you can't see me gesture and all that? It was amazing. We need this for women's sports. We need this for all sports. This is huge. <laughs> this is huge. You could have an ignorant, arrogant way of looking at Angel Reese. Okay. But if you haven't watched her all year, this is right up her alley. Right up her alley. I've seen her get an and one finish on somebody, Chad, and she licked her fingers <laughs> like she was eating Magic City wings. Yeah. And then did like a little TikTok dance and stuff. And Bayou Barbie, she lives that to the full. So I wasn't surprised. Now, would I have done it? Would I have done the John Cena, you can't see me, taunt and followed old girl Caitlin Clark after you know you're going to win? That's mad petty. That's yeah. wild. To go right at her That's, you're wilding. and the ring She's wilding. She's, she, she's right. wilding. Yeah. But. But it was consistent I, with her. Exactly. Yeah, that's and who if, she is. And if you've watched Caitlin Clark, which a lot of people, that's the thing. A lot of people, this was their first women's game of the year. Right. A lot of people that are going off on Angel Reese and stuff, this is their first time them seeing Angel Reese. And now, really, it's the first time you're seeing Caitlin Clark because of what she did on Friday against South Carolina. God, she was so good. Oh, she was ridiculous. <laughs> this is silly. First woman ever to go back-to-back 40-point performances in the tournament. Yeah, I'm watching her on the Sue Bird, Diane Taurasi broadcast, and they're like in awe. Talking to greats, talking to Doris and Lisa Leslie and Gino and stuff, and everybody yeah. saying the same thing about Caitlin Clark, how she's just a generational talent. Like Kim Mulkey said after the dub, she's is special. Dude, she's out there in Steph land. She's oh. shooting from 32. Off balance. She's leaning to the left, shooting that thing. On, she dropping dimes. Did you see on average she's at 25, 11, 25 feet 11 inches? Yeah. That's stupid. over two feet past the NBA. All she did was shoot threes against LSU yesterday. Oh, my God. All her points basically came from the three-point line so if you've been watching her which i have yes she'll talk her stuff too and she's been doing the cena thing she that's why angel reese did it right angel saw her do it and yeah. was and was kind of giving it back to her yeah. yeah angel reese is like yo if you can't take it Angel Reese's like i'm from the dmv this is what we do yeah oh and by the way i think the one of the most important things because nowadays everybody flips out in their own reactions they get into their feelings Caitlin Clark didn't care. No. Does everybody realize that? Caitlin Clark, Kate, she didn't blink. Because Caitlin Clark knows. She's I be doing that she's stuff like, too. Yeah, she's like, you know what? I wasn't focused on that. I was just focused on trying to get through that handshake line and be with my teammates one last time because it sucked that we lost, basically is what she was saying. She didn't get upset or overly sensitive. No, the way that Caitlin Clark waved off the South Carolina girl to make her shoot. That was one of the most disrespectful things was, I've ever seen. It was so rude. That was so disrespectful. Oh, but that's mind games, though. Yes. That, that's, that's mind games because now everybody's watching 
you're being told like if that's if that's me, I'm saying, oh, you're giving me this open jumper? That's knockdown. But the reason why you're yeah. open is because you can't shoot it. And they were playing that weak-ass dated triangle in two. <laughs> and Don Staley, I love you, but we got to come up with something better than what we were doing. Like, go in the lane. Go float Caitlin Clark. And plus, the fact that Caitlin Clark was in the lane helping on the bigs the whole time, she's just able to keep her energy level good because she ain't really playing D. LSU made her play D yesterday. Yes. She was chasing Morris around, and old girl came off the bench, Jasmine Clarkson, and hit like seven threes on them. And so she had to defend. Mm -hmm. And plus, kind of going back to San Diego State and the emotion that they're going to have to be playing with due to the last second shot, Caitlin Clark, it was like they won a national championship game playing against South Carolina. The way she threw the ball up and looked in the crowd and stuff when the buzzer rang, she was hype. So going into this game, they looked a little fatigued. And Kim Mulkey and those Tigers, they they picked up on that. They realized, okay, we were the first game. We took care of business against Virginia Tech, which Virginia Tech's a good team. They made it look easy against them. Yep. And then moving on, playing off that emotion, was were they a little tired, Iowa? I think so. And, yeah, Caitlin Clark, I, I wouldn't have done it. Angel yeah. Reese, like that's a little much. Following the girl around, that's a little much. Yeah, right. You're, if I, uh, I'll put it this way: if I tell me if you agree, you've been a, a basketball teammate before. If I'm a teammate, I'll go get in Angel's face a little and just say, "Hey, let, come on, we're gonna win. Calm down." Yeah. Now, Caitlin Clark had every right to sock Angel Reese in the face right there. Oh I, yeah. If we would, she could have started. If she would have done something yeah. and would have really turned. But Angel Reese, no, Caitlin Clark wouldn't. You gonna test me? Angel Reese couldn't wait. To, uh, for Kayla Clark to try to do something. Right. So she knew she was doing that, yeah. you know, and there's no John re- Cena too. Because, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to – I would have understood if she had – if I'm with you, if she had tried to start something. But it's also one of those, like, do you really want to show Angel Reese that it's working? Because Angel Reese is going to feed off of that like a shark to blood in the water, and you maybe want to just look. I gotta, I gotta get away from it. Uh, but yeah, she kept doing it, kept showing her the ring, kept doing the the Cena thing. So it got a lot of attention. It got eight million hits on social media and, and different places or whatever, and a lot of people were talking about it. But the strength of these comments is weird to me. So let us know what let us know what you thought of it. Did it change your mind because it was women's basketball? Did it change your mind because it was? Did it matter deep down in your soul? Do you think it mattered that it was a black woman doing that to a white woman? I always go back, Zay, to I'm not sure. Are you old enough to remember when Bill Romanowski spit on JJ Stokes? Ooh, Monday Night Football. I do remember that, but I don't remember watching. I remember the moment as we were having the discussion about it. Some it was a listener that first I heard ask the question: What if the races had been reversed? Mm. What if a black man in the NFL had spit on a white man? I didn't see it that way. All I saw was a known wackadoodle, Romo, spit on Stokes, who at the time was kind of a generic NFL player. J.J. Yeah. Stokes was kind of eh. Yeah. He was all right. He was okay. like a number three. It, exactly. He's a three receiver for the Niners that night. Yeah. And that's what I saw. But a lot of people got into the what would have happened. And so in this case, like, do you think you reacted differently because this was A, two women and we think to ourselves, well, women shouldn't have emotion or women shouldn't do this or that. And then because it was a black woman doing this to a white woman, does that somehow change your mind? Because all I saw, Zay, was one badass on one team going after one badass on another team. Yeah. That's all I saw. You do that to a bench player, I think you're way over the line. This is Caitlin Clark. She can, A, she can uh, you know, take care of herself, and B, she's been... John she's been wilding too. She's been John Cena. She's been doing the short thing, just like Reese does the little you're too short thing. Like, there's so much attitude in basketball right now. If you're not watching regularly, that did not surprise those of us that are watching a lot of hoops. She told Haley Van Liff, which eliminated the Longhorns, by the way, in the second round, Speaking and was of doing attitude. a lot of and was doing <laughs> a lot of talking while doing it. Yes. She told Haley Van Liff. Joe as up, we up by 15, quit talking. She said scoreboard, basically. Scoreboard. Yeah, now, I'm exaggerating on the shut your ass up part, but that's <laughs> what I took from it. She told her to shut up. Because you're down 15. Scoreboard, you're down, you're down 15. 15. Quit talking. 
Oh, my God. Yeah, there's an entertainment level to it. We hope you were entertained by it. If not, if you were thoroughly offended, please let us know. We want to hear the I thought it was dope. They changed women's college basketball. Like, everybody's going to remember this game. Well, I hope, A, I hope so. And then I want to know, you know, were people watching? Man, that was high-level stuff yesterday. If you were watching this game and you just want to tell me you don't want to watch women play and it's pure sexism, okay, 54% one way, 50% the other way. From three, 65% from LSU, 47 for Iowa. They both go 71% or better from the line. That was a pleasing basketball game for my eye in terms of the ball and the basket. Yeah. Caitlin Clark come down one in. Not even set her feet, her feet not even set at all. Just off balance out the yin yang three ball from 30 some feet. Oh. Like it's nothing. Angel Reese comes down the other end, gets the board, defensive rebound, pushes it up the court between the legs, gets into a spin, fake to the right layup, like 6 4. And the, big. Mo- and the most impressive player to me yesterday was Alexis Morris, the absolute cold blooded killer that started at Baylor, got kicked off the team, ended up at A&M, didn't work out there, comes all the way back around to Kim, and she hit those mid-range after mid-range after mid-range when Iowa had made the run and got it close, and she just kept throwing daggers. Bam, bam, elbow, elbow floater. All those little mid-range shots were the difference in the game to me. I thought Alexis Morris was badass. I was thoroughly entertained. So let us know what you thought. We had somebody text us the other day, if they play topless, I'll watch them. <laughs> going straight to hell. That dude or or woman, whoever texted us that, you don't need to text back today. We know you're not watching. But did you enjoy the women's game oh, yesterday? Man. We'll talk about it. And if you'd like to get into the gender and racial discussion of college basketball today, we can do that. But it's also kind of the way that the game is right now. All right, coming up, we'll keep talking some hoops because the NBA is headed towards the playoffs. And the Mavs are thinking about uh, the, the playoffs? Oh, no, not really. The play-in games. No, not really. They're, they're thinking about shutting stuff down. We'll talk about who's in the playoffs and who's not next on The Horn. Chad and Zay. Oh, getting it going on a Monday. Talking championship game for the men tonight. Championship game for the women yesterday. LSU and Kim Mulkey gets the championship. Chad and Zay with you on a Monday. Oh, you're starting strong today. Starting with some white snake. That's right. And it's not a disguised title. It's called Slide It In, kids. (laughs) It is. I'm just saying. Much like when Salt and Peppa hit the world with Push It, these two songs, they're really not, they're not, there's not a lot of double entendre. Well, sorry, there is double entendre. There's just not a lot of mystery. We're just. Get to it. There it is. White Snake, good guitars, great voice as always from David Coverdale. So White Snake gets us started. Shout out to the CMT Awards last night right over at Moody. Uh, I recorded it, didn't watch all of it. Somebody did text us earlier. You got to check out that Leonard Skinner tribute. That was a hell of a show towards the end. They had a lot of cool people on stage there. Slash from Guns N' Roses was up on stage with them. Okay. Jamming out to some Leonard Skinner. That was interesting. Uh, Paul Rogers from Bad Company was singing. A lot of different people there. And the uh, Black Crows with Darius Rucker. That was a cool idea. Doing, uh, doing She Talks to Angels. That was nice. So if you went to the show last night, hope you had a great time there. Uh, we'll get into more musical discussions sp- specifically later in the week when we do another album swap on Thursday. So I heard the um, MS event, Tyler Campbell, Boots and Barbecue. That went well. Yes. Okay. And I saw a picture floating around with Steve Sarkeesian and Quan Cosby and the lovely Mrs. Harge, Mike Harge's wife. Oh, there you go. And Harge and Ty. And I just want to say from that picture, Mike Harge looks like a 1987 Alabama pimp. Oh, my God. That's just wrong. What do you what? mean that's wrong? He's clean. Oh, you're a fan of Alabama pimps. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's I clean. See. I mean, you're, if you, you look, look at it as a, like a negative, okay, yeah, it's a compliment. Yeah, sure. The fedora hat, clean. The shoes that he got from his great uncle died in 48, fire. Mike Harge was, Harge was it. 
he did that. Uh, I appreciate that, Steve Sarkeesian picture. I appreciate that. Sark posted it on his Instagram. Oh, he got for into, a great cause. He got into Sark social media that yeah, way. Yeah, him and Ty, Good job, they were Marge. all looking fly. Ty was in the picture too. Ty Henderson, producer for B and E, they were all looking fly. Nice job, yes. Harge. Give him a shout out. So right. You're trying to make the Harge Alabama pimp thing negative. My bad, my bad. No, I just didn't know. You know, I didn't know what you thought of Alabama pimps. I thought maybe you had them on a lower rung than than certain other pimps. All right, I got you. I got you. No problem. Uh, I also heard that when San Diego State hit that shot, Tyler Campbell went sprinting around the room. For those that don't know, Tyler went to San Diego State. Yeah. Played football at San Diego State. So uh, that was close to his heart, and he is definitely rooting for his Aztecs tonight. For his sake, I hope they win it. I'm picking UConn, but for his sake, I hope they pull something crazy off. I'm picking UConn too, but I like that seven-point line. I like it. I don't think they're going to blow them out. Yeah, that was one for that game. That was FAU would have covered that. The bet was FAU because, remember, that game was San Diego State by like three. Okay. So if you took that, you ended up losing. You needed to take FAU plus three mm-hmm. to win that one. Uh, and tonight it is minus seven for UConn if you want to get in on that. Somebody had a great text as we went to the break. Text line is 337-3776. Here's some perspective for you. This says, class is overrated. When you win it all, you can stunt. Angel Reese ain't a villain. She's not classless. She's a star and a champion. Respect her as such. Okay. To the victor go the spoils would be the argument there from uh, from somebody. Yeah, and- I don't think she's classless. Again, I wouldn't have done it, the hand gesture to the face, but I think it's great for women's basketball. And the people who are on social media or like us and do radio and have some type of outlet that are calling them out their, la- out their name, shame on y'all. Yeah. The- you shouldn't be calling no woman out her name like that. Like I- That's ridiculous. Yeah, there's no need to get too, over- too o- you know, overworked about it. It wasn't that big a deal. And it did provide some some energy uh, to the end of that game and and you know I thought her answer was consistent I thought Kim's answer was consistent it is who she is it's the attitude that team plays with and it's an attitude that Caitlin Clark and others have, have shown as well so that's um, definitely a, a sidebar to that game it ended up being a really entertaining game by the way history for LSU too 102 points all-time record for the winning team, Texas had that record. I didn't know that. Really? Texas scored 97 in the 86 game, Jody Conrad's title. Undefeated team? The undefeated team. Then they scored 97, and that record held till yesterday. I didn't, wow. didn't realize that. So that's the all-time record. Kim, again, is the only women's coach ever to win with two schools. Let's not pretend like something didn't happen. Patino's the guy on the men's side. So don't, don't give me the technical, yes, Chad, but they, they can't stop. He wanted at Kentucky and he wanted at Louisville. He's the men's coach that's done it. She's now the one women's coach to do it. We got to we got to be fair to what we saw. Yo, that one means way more than the Baylor ones to me because I'm tired of what she or I was tired of what she used to do to the Horns during mm-hmm. her tenure in Waco. Yeah, that's that gonna, was brutal. Yeah, better watch out, Longhorns. That's gonna come back around. Oh, you're right. You thought she was gone, didn't you? Oh my. You thought you were done looking at the spring, the Kim Mulkey Spring Collection? You're right. You're going to get the full Kim Mulkey Spring Collection. What we've learned now with her in Baton Rouge is she was holding back on the clothes in Waco. That was her tepid version. Because this stuff now, she's going full-on Mardi Gras. Yeah, she don't give a damn. She does she's not. She never gave a damn, but she really don't Oh, now. she's leaning in hard. Yesterday, from a distance, if you just squint it, she looked like 80s Rod Stewart out there. <laughs> <laughs> it was like some guys have all the luck, Rod Stewart, yesterday. It was incredible. Yo, and how do you not want to play for her? Like, she lets you be yourself. You know, she gets any type of girl. As long as you could hoop, right. stay out of trouble. No, that's like, it. Enough trouble, then. And we, what do we talk about? We've said on the men's side, you got to work the transfer portal. We've seen it on the women's side as well. Nine new players this year. Nine. It's you ridiculous. imagine that? She brought one player back from last year's team. That's crazy. That's yeah, some stuff. serious coaching she just did. Yeah, congrats to LSU and Kim. Uh, that's her fourth title. Also on the basketball front, Zay, we're headed towards the NBA playoffs, and I get the uh, I get the feeling my Mavericks are going to be watching this just like I am. Mm. I get the feeling they're not going to stick be a-, a fork in them, dude. Right now, here's what we've got in the East: Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, and the Knicks are in. Toronto is guaranteed to be in a play-in situation in the West. 
Denver, Memphis, Sacramento are in, but other things have to be figured out. Golden State would be the six right now, so just outside of the play-in or inside of it, however you look at it. The Lakers would be the seven, so they've worked their way into a play-in situation. But, Zay, my Mavericks are sitting in the 11 spot, and they're now four and ten when Luka and Kyrie both play. And then I come to work today, and you tell me, what? That they're thinking of sitting those guys out these last three games, which are against the Kings, Bulls, and San Antonio Spurs. So, I mean. Let's go give up before it's done. It's pretty weak. It's three games. We can't play three games. It's pretty weak. Load management. You play it out. You play it out. Even if you're not going to get in the plan, you play it out. Now, if you're mathematically eliminated, that's a different discussion. Yeah. But they're not yet. Until you are officially out, play. Yeah. I mean, the Thunder, they're a whole game up on them. That's the only team they have to worry about. The Thunder have to play the Lakers coming up in one of the Lakers' four games. And the Lakers look like the best team in the league right now. They've gotten it figured out. Oh, yeah. yeah. When LeBron's healthy, Anthony Davis is healthy, D'Angelo Russell's back. Nobody really knows how to scout them because they're fresh. So, you know, you focus on Anthony Davis and LeBron, then you go from there. But they got other guys hooping. So the Lakers are going to play their heart out against the Thunder. So if you're the Mavs, you don't know what could happen. And then if you get in the play-in, you know the 7 and the 8, the loser plays, the winner from the 9 and the 10. You win two games, you're an eighth seed. So... They're looking at their pick. I think they have a top 10 pick if they don't make the playoffs at all. So what's more important? This is a very deep draft, so whoever they get could come in and produce. But when you have Kyrie Irving and Luka, you shouldn't be packing your stuff. No, you should not. No. I agree. It's, it's pretty soft, especially if you're Mark Cuban. As competitive he is, the fact that he's going to – if he allows this, goes against the grain. Man, when they got Kyrie Irving, I think a lot of Mavericks fans that were realistic, they they knew not to think about, oh my God, this makes them a championship contender. But remember, right before they got him, they were the four seed. For it to go this wrong, for it to go this bad, I don't know if even the most you know negative of fans about the move could have thought it was going this far i was concerned we talked about it what's it going to be in the locker room and is he going to turn things there you know what what's it going to be i'm not getting my hopes up but this this all the way out of the play-in that's crazy that is crazy so that's the way it looks right now also if you're a, a spurs or rockets fan you know you've done what you need to do you got yourself to the best percentage chance to get Wembenyama. That's going to be a fascinating moment when we get to that draft lottery for Spurs fans and Rockets fans to both be crossing the fingers with the same percentage chance. Chad, there's a highlight going around this weekend of Wimbenyama in Europe. He shoots a three. Oh, I saw this. And tips dunks his own shot that he shot from the three-point line. <laughs> what? He shoots a three yeah. and tip dunks. Picture that, people. His own shot. Follows they, it in. they say, follow your shot. Every bad coach says that because, like, if I'm a shooter, I'm sticking the landing. I'm working on my form. I'm not worried about the miss. Don't ever tell me that, coach. Worry about my jumper going through the net. Victor Wimbanyama missed it and tip-dunked his own three. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in my life. It was silly, and it was one of those moments where his brain was working so fast. All at once, he knew he was going to miss it. He realized he should go, and everybody else was turned staring at the ball. It was almost like they were like, I'm going to tell my kids that I saw him shoot a three, and he just flies right by everybody. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to be a ridiculous athlete to do that, but like you said, the instinct oh. as a basketball player, as a 19-year-old, yeah, to just have the presence of mind to do all of that – that's what makes him so impressive also. Yeah, so if you are a Rockets or Spurs fan and you've been a little concerned about, oh, is my team really trying to lose on – yep, they are. And that's why. And that is absolutely why. Uh, we got that coming. NBA playoffs obviously coming as well. But the big focus today is the championship game. UConn and San Diego State tonight on the men's side. LSU wins it yesterday on the women's side. Somebody texted us uh, about – listen to the interviews after the game from – you know, Angel Reese and, and Kim and all that, it all boiled down to disrespect, nothing to do with race. I could I could get on board with that argument. Oh, yeah, I'm with that. Because I don't think Angel Reese ever specifically said the word race. She said, I don't fit your mold. I'm a little too hood. I'm a little too this, too that. She didn't say black. She didn't say it's about race. 
the type of player she is maybe doesn't fit the mold of what people want her to be. Now, could some people hear that and think that race may play maybe plays a part? Yeah, maybe. She's definitely She's saying it without saying she's it. She's insinuating. She's definitely insinuating. Right. She's kind of insinuating that that could be part of the discussion. And for her. Like what she says, little girls that look like me. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Right. When she makes that reference, she's saying, yeah. Now, it, it's different if she's saying, hey, I want to speak up for all those little girls that look like me. That's awesome. Would you tell all those little girls to get in the star of the other team's face? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's that borderline. Yeah, and then right. race comes up when you have people calling them out their name. Right, very rich white men yeah, calling that's... this sister out her name, like effing classes and stuff. That's when the race comes in the back. Because would you say that if? Situation was different, right? If yeah, if Caitlin Clark had won the championship and scored forty five, and she had done that exact thing to Angel Reese late in the game, gotten in her face a little too much, would you have called her the same thing? Would you have called her the same piece of trash or whatever you said about Reese? Would you have said it about Clark? Hopefully, you would. And I don't mean hopefully you call them trash, but hopefully you're consistent about it. I would still tell you you're going too far. Calm down. Yeah, this is what the game is right now. The game of basketball is this. And by the way, I blame two people. Steph for taking Steph for starting the modern version of all the the histrionics. And let's face it, it's Kobe's fault. Kobe! Because Kobe was connected with women's basketball through his daughter and the Diana Taurasi's and the Sue Birds, they all love Kobe so much. And then Ionescu and all these different players, that's the mindset. I think the Kobe mindset might live more in the women's game even more than it does in the men's game right now. Okay. Just that intensity and that killer instinct. I'm with you. That's what they've got, man. I'm with you. Also, shout out to my man, Jeff Howe, Horns 24-7, Light the Tower. Yes. He hit me up, and he's 100% correct because John Cena is getting way too much credit for the hand gesture. That came from rapper G-Unit Tony Ayo. Really? Yes, Tony Yeo did it in the So Seductive video. He did it on that video. So you're saying Cena stole it from him? Yeah. Okay. And Jeff House says that Cena's brother gave John the idea from Tony Yeo and 50 Cent doing the So Seductive video. Nice. So Tony Yeo, yeah, you need your you need your love. Good history lesson there, Jeff Howe. So <laughs> ultimately, that's the source material, but we could all agree it's seen as probably where she saw it, unless she's a G Unit fan, which would be cool. <laughs> That would be cool if the players are like, by the way, this isn't John Cena. Yeah, if Caitlin Clark's listening to G-Unit before the game, I'm with that. We'll give her credit. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to assume Caitlin Clark and any you know basketball player now, I'm assuming it's, it's Cena, but you know what? Maybe not. Maybe some uh, know the, the G-Unit history. Thank you, Jeff Howe, for that. Uh, coming up, let's get into the crap bag. Speaking of Cena and WWE, we'll talk a little WrestleMania, but also the business side of things. WWE and UFC are about to do what? We'll try to explain it on the horn. Chad and Zay. Ah, that's a great win. Hope you're having a good Monday. Getting ready for the men's title game tonight. Talking about the women's championship game yesterday. Were you offended by anything you saw from Angel Reese and LSU? You can let us know. Specs text line 337-3776. Pink Floyd with money. Appropriate, because we're about to talk about a lot of money. But uh, Pink Floyd and Whitesnake getting us started. How about a Pink Floyd album, Zay? Would you listen to that? Hell yeah. You think your mind is ready to expand far enough? Oh, my mind's ready for anything, You baby. really got to open up with it with Pink Floyd. Yeah? We might have you... Uh, Get on some Aaron Rodgers. There's a couple of uh, Pink Floyd's big albums I've never listened to. Maybe we should do that at some point where we both listen if we've never heard it. I'm with it. We'll do that. And then you need to find, is there any massive hip-hop album you've never listened to? Is there some hip-hop album that's really important that you have never heard that we could both listen to? That's what you need to look into. Okay. Now, officially at this moment, I know which album you're listening to this week. Do you know which album I'm listening to? Yeah. All right, hit me with it. What is it? UGK, Riding Dirty. Ooh, I like it. Okay, UGK. Riding Dirty is what I'm listening to. I'm going to have you listen to Traveler by Chris Stapleton. I I just re-listened to it, and my daughter heard it for the first time. She really enjoyed it. It's his first solo album. I heard he rocked CMT Awards. 
I did not see his performance, but I'm sure he did. I already rocked it, so he's awesome. I'm good with it. Yo, everybody always hitting me up, Specs text line, DMing me. Leave me alone. UGK, I know they're from Port Arthur. But if you ask anybody about Bun B being from H-Town, he will say, yeah, I'm H-Town. I rep Port Arthur. We're okay. from there. Right. Yes, but I'm also H-Town, too. Gotcha. Okay. So when you think of UGK, when I was trying to pick H-Town rappers and I was going through all these lists and H-Town albums, UGK kept popping up. That's okay. But the crazies out there love mm. to hit me up and let me yeah. know as a... You know, UGK mm. is from Port Arthur, right? Very yeah, that's not Houston. Okay, I get it. Leave me the hell alone. That's very technical. I'm glad you said that so I didn't have to say it later and sound like me and sound all OCD. Yeah. You know, Zay, <laughs> I think they were born in Port Arthur. No, let's, we're not doing that. Uh, but we will get into those albums later in the week. Right now, let's get into the crap bag because the WWE and the UFC are getting in bed together. Really? Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. So before I get into some WrestleMania comments, uh, yeah, this business thing is happening. At one point, Dana White did everything he could do to not be WWE. He didn't want to be thought of that way because he thought people might think his stuff was scripted. And I could understand that concern. He's got legitimate fights going on. You don't want to have people believe there's a script involved. But now there's something called Endeavor Group Holdings, Inc. It is going to be a company that will house the WWE and UFC, both brands under one company valued at over $21 billion. The story I read said the UFC is valued at just over $12 billion, the WWE at $9.3. And maybe the best part of this this weekend is if you haven't seen what Vince McMahon looks like right now, you need to go see it. The best comment I heard was, it looks like he's about to defraud the Muppets. Like, that's the best (laughs) tweet I saw all weekend. And the shot of him with that mustache, with both logos behind his head. Zay, it's one of the weirdest images I've ever seen. I can't believe these two monsters are now in bed together. If we have a press conference with Vince McMahon and Dana White, I don't think I'm going to survive it. I don't think that's too much for me. Yeah, Vince looks toe up. He does. He does. And, man, sad to see what happened to Shane McMahon over the weekend. Like, just trying to be old school, here come the money, athletic Shane McMahon, and tear something, like his ACL or something like that, and pulled his pops. Yeah, I think it – yeah, right, because he went out there and they were trying to do a little – they were trying to do a little deal with The Miz – and I guess the idea was he was going to come out and do a little something with The Miz. Yeah, yeah. and Snoop came in to improvise, which was, hey, whatever, Snoop Dogg being a wrestler – it was cool, but I, yikes. I, w- I would love to know from The Miz, is Snoop Dogg, are his punches stiff or not? Like, what kind of punches were those? Because they were weird looking. As long as Snoop is, him trying to deliver those punches, Miz sold really well. He does a good job of that. But that was weird. Yeah, I hope Shane is okay. And speaking of Vince McMahon, as we get to the WrestleMania stuff, all of you listening right now, me, Zay, Joe Cook's coming up from inside Texas, everybody listening to me right now, Find something in your life that you love as much as Vince McMahon loves Roman Reigns. Because I don't think Vince McMahon has ever loved anything as much as he loves Roman Reigns. Really? We talked to Stu going into the weekend. Stu said he thought they were going to give the belt to Cody Rhodes. I didn't buy it for a second until I saw it. I watched the match last night, and I'm thinking, come on, you can do it. I know you can do this. Come on, Vince. Come on, Hunter. You're setting this up. You are setting it up to actually have Roman give back a little bit. Because he doesn't give very much. He takes and he takes and he takes and he takes. Because Vince McMahon has tried to convince us. All he wants to do is try to convince us how great he is. Is he? Nah, he's all right. (laughs) He's okay. He's okay. He's on my all-time Mount Rushmore of clunky champions. And I got three spots locked down. John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and Roman Reigns. The clunky champs of all time. What does that mean? Give me that fourth spot. The guys that are... It's not... The the matches are never fantastic. They're big-time names. See? Now, Joe Cook's referencing Hulk Hogan. I thought about Hulk Hogan because Hulk, an abs- an, 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 Hulk as the X's and O's wrestler, the matches weren't always fantastic. Does he deserve to go on that Mount Rushmore or not? That's a, that's a different discussion. But for Roman Reigns, 
He's had the belt for over 900 days now. And it's not just one belt, it's two. The, the men's division's so bad in WWE, Vince disrespects it so much, he gave him both belts. And he gave the Usos both tag team belts from SmackDown and Raw. There are more viable championship, there's more viable championship material right now on the women's side than the men's side, and it's not even close. Because Vince and Hunter, they don't believe it. And Stephanie, whoever's making these decisions, they don't believe it. They believe Roman and Brock Lesnar can hold that belt, and that's it. They do not trust anyone else. They trusted McIntyre when we had COVID. That's about it. There's my wrestling rant of the day. (laughs) Well done. Oh, my God. And Roman Reigns had such an opportunity. He was setting it up well. The acting was well. He was selling like he should. And then they did a little swerve finish and pin. And it's like, oh, Lord. Yeah, who won uh, Dominic Rey Mysterio? Uh, Ray did. Oh man, he's supposed to whip his daddy's ass. But but they got they gave Dominic a little bit because it was a swerve finish. And guess who created the swerve finish? Bad Bunny. Good grief. Bad Bunny sneaks in. R- Dominic's about to hit Ray with a chain. Bad Bunny takes the chain out of his hand. Ray hits him with the six one nine. Ray hits him with the frog splash. R I P Eddie, and he wins the match. Oh, that's dope. He did the frog splash. How about that? Yes. I saw him come out on the low rider. Yeah, in fact, both of them did. Both of them hit each other with a frog splash in the match, and you know that was a little Eddie Love they were throwing out there. So, yes, Ray got the win in that Damn, one. Damn, Dominic, you looking out for every kid that just wanted to whoop their dad's ass one time. Yeah. All them whoopings and stuff like that. CeCe, I love you, but there was a couple times where I was young where I was swinging in my room like Cuba Gooding Jr. on Boys in the Hood after you know he got pulled over by the police. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's why they do it's those, all good. That's why they do those matches, brother on brother, yeah. father sons and stuff. Yeah, I think it's, it's genius. It's, it's Yeah, people can always get into those. Uh, Rhea Ripley got the belt from Charlotte. Congrats to her. Bianca keeps the belt. Uh, Seth Rollins did take out Logan Paul. Logan Paul, nice entrance there. A little homage to Shawn Michaels. Uh, WrestleMania 12, that was good stuff. And Edge over Finn Balor in the the, uh, Hell in a Cell was good. Although, SoFi was a bad place for that match. Hell in a Cell, first match out in the sunlight? What? You're going to have Hell in a Cell in the sunlight? What are you doing? That's That's like a Dracula movie in the middle of a big sunny park having a picnic or something. What are you doing? You got Finn Balor in the demon gear, and it's not dark. That doesn't make sense. But that's not their fault. SoFi is built the way SoFi is built. So there you go. WrestleMania. It's on Peacock if you want to go check it out. I still need to go back and watch the Stacey Keebler Hall of Fame induction to see what Stacey Keebler is looking like. You know that dress had that split. Show that famous leg. Oh, I bet. I bet. She was out here. I need to go and check it out. All right, there you go. Little crap bag for you. I promise we won't talk much pro wrestling other than that. I had to had to get it out. Roman Reigns uh, just retired the belts, Vince. If you're not going to let anybody else have them, I have no idea what's going on. He's going to go like fifty thousand days without it. He's going to go past Bruno San Martino, Hulk Hogan, the whole thing. One man. That's it. That's all you can do. Okay. That's weak, Vince. Change it up. And he's that man. At least Hogan was. Interesting on the mic. Jeez. Sorry. I'm done. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm continuing to go. I say I'm done and then I keep going. Uh, up next, Joe Cook of Inside Texas on 3.com. Texas baseball dropping the series to Oklahoma State. It all came down to that rubber game. We'll talk to him about what happened there. Plus, a scrimmage for Texas football over the weekend. We are coming up on the spring game quick. And we'll talk Texas stuff next on the horn.